everyone. I'm Ian. And I'm Sam. And this is Do I Like This, the podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, this week, man. So this is a podcast where I bring movies to Sam that I've watched in the past or haven't, and uh, we talk about them. And I try not to kick you in the face halfway through. And so far, my face is unkicked. <laughs> Although I feel like it should have been kicked at some point for some of the ones I brought. Should have been kicked a couple episodes ago, but... But not this week. No. So this week was the first week Sam and I decided we're going to sit and watch them together. Yeah, we decided to try something new. It's also our 10th episode, which we realized after we had recorded it. So it's a good time to try something new, right? Part of the joy of these movies is watching them together. When you watch them by yourself, they're just not as fun. And the things that might be fun don't feel fun because you don't have anyone to exchange that look with like, what is happening? The amount of times where you had to go, pause, pause, I need to collect myself. <laughs> or, or the times where we're like, what? Uh, we may even try like live recording sound bites for you guys in the future. So yeah, there were a couple of times where I said, God, I wish we recorded that so that people could hear that reaction because I picked a good one is because I picked a good one. Ian picked a good one to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I brought the 2013 uh, historical classic Axe Giant. Yeah. So we didn't realize this until after the movie is over that it's Axe Giant colon the legend of Paul Bunyan. To be fair, Amazon, where we watch on Amazon Prime, just listed it as Axe Giant. <laughs> didn't have the subtitle on it yeah it listen it works better because the paul bunyan thing kind of came out of left field and it was hilarious that way i i was very happy with that and the building upon the paul bunyan legend and how they twisted it oh my god if i went in knowing this was a paul bunyan legend we're about. To, we're just going to get right into it, and I'll hand it over to you after this. Is the opening would have confused the hell out of me? I don't think the beginning would have been confusing to me, but I made a guess about something at the beginning that turned out to be correct because it was Paul Bunyan. My first thing I wrote in my notes on this movie was, "Was this your class trip with Bigfoot?" <laughs> He's referring to the history professor who was into cryptozoology. No, that was actually a real because it reminded me of we'll talking about the log cabin and yeah, God, I thought of. I mean, it kind of felt it, it was in the Smoky Mountains, and it was incredible. And also, no, it was not like that because there was enough other people there that it was not. It didn't turn into like a cryptid hunt. Thank God. So why don't I just why don't we just dive right in? Yeah, he has everything. So listen, my first page of notes <laughs> is a little difficult for me to read. So I work from home and I have um, like private health information for clients that I write in pencil. And usually I just erase it before I shred it and put it in the garbage. So I wrote it all in pencil and then I decided to write our notes and wasn't really paying attention and started writing over the PHI in pen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my notes for Axe Giant are written in black pen over very light client health information and pencil. 
So some things I might struggle to read just for the first few minutes. Well, I'll read you the first thing that's important to start off. This takes us back to 1894 with people wearing modern jeans and coats. Right. It also said in the subtitles that it was country music playing. Like ambient banjo music playing? Yeah, it was very strange. Was this also Canada? It was a question that I wrote. No, this was shot in um, California. Okay, because it looked a bit like Canadian wilderness. So one of the things, we watched this together. We had reactions together, but we tried not to have any commentary, really, because we were trying to save it for the podcast. Some things we had to talk about. Two or ten things that had to be discussed in the moment. Noted it. Yeah. And we noted it in the notes so that we would revisit the conversation, have a deeper conversation about it. Sometimes some of the things that we say to each other, even though we did watch it together, we didn't make that comment while we were watching. So we may say something that surprises the other. And we watch this on Sunday and we're talking on Wednesday. So this has been so hard for me not to talk to you about over the last few years. Oh God, it's been such a weird few days because we were going to record on Monday and then shit happens. So here we are. This is way later than we ever record too. So Ian's going to be down to the wire with all the editing. Oh, I'll be fine on that. I meant more of like, I have to remember all the plot. You will. It'll come back to you. I promise. So I guess the other thing I wrote about, and I'll let you take it off after this, is the acting is not strong in 1894. <laughs> yeah, so we're in the middle of the woods, and I wrote olden times, because like Ian said, they're wearing all modern clothing. And it was a delay before the year came up of a good like, 15, 20 seconds of the scene. The whole thing was very weird. So we're in a logging camp, I guess it's sure. supposed to be. We find out later that it is, but... It's not initially really. It looks like you're in like Red Dead Redemption. I wrote that down. So you walk in, there's a guy roasting a massive hunk of meat. A wall of meat. A wall of meat takes up most of the screen. As a joke, I wrote, is that Babe the Blue Ox? Paul Bunyan's companion? It is. Spoiler alert. I mean, it's Paul Bunyan's story. It is. That comes back later. And it's ridiculous. We're not going to talk anymore about it right now. So there's a young guy, and he must be new. And he's saying, you know, it takes a long time for these trees to grow back. Do you think we should be cutting as much as we are, as fast as we are? And this older, grizzled kind of guy goes on a rampage talking about, this is the future of homeownership. future of our country is homeownership. What the f- I didn't write a ton of quotes in this movie because the best quotes in this movie were like two or three lines. The long quotes, like this first scene is probably the most quotes I have. Yeah. It's just this guy talking about how they need to cut down all the trees as fast as they can to make all the money, basically. So then he says to the young guy in the group around, I got a log jam. Because he has to take a dump, apparently. And one of the guys, after he goes off, goes, For a great big bore of a man, boss has an itty-bitty barrel of a squirrel, or bladder of a squirrel. Right. And so I wrote, apparently the terrible actor with Barry Gibb hair poops a lot. (laughs) Because he does have 
Barry Gibb hair. He does. Um, it's a Barry Gibb dumping. <laughs> Talking about funky cool medallion. Gonna go take a shit in the woods. Okay. Okay. So then we see the guy who's roasting the meat says it's dinner time. And we get so. Wow. Okay. This movie has more CGI than anything I've ever seen. It's like Unreal. Roger Rabbit. Okay? Unreal. It's basically the Roger Rabbit of monster movies because mostly everything is a cartoon or a green screen. How dare you insult Roger Rabbit? <laughs> I know. There's a man ringing a dinner bell that is clearly CGI, clearly green screen. Because clearly he's never rang a bell before. And also he rings it for like 10 seconds. Oh my God. He, he rang it for so camera. long. You and I looked at each other and we're <laughs> laughing and we're like, what is happening right now? And we look back and it was still going and like yeah. we comically we're like, it was so awkward. And then it shows all these reaction shots of random people in the camp going, oh, they're so excited. And this is where I wrote, is this Red Dead Redemption? (laughs) What is this? I'm just waiting for Arthur to come and be like, everything's terrible. And Dutch be like, only eat if you pay the camp. So then we get Barry Gibb hair coming back from pooping and everyone's dead in oh the camp God, not chopped up heads missing obliterated all around the animal carcass and then from out behind the animal carcass and i underlined this like five times jumps a tiny guy he's maybe five ten. i thought he was one of the camp people that like hid right he has a little pig face like a mm-hmm. some sort of makeup on his face looks piggly he looked like the monster from that X-Files episode with the inbred family. Uh, yep. Yes. Yeah. What a great episode that Small is. Small Potatoes? Is that what it's called? It's one of my favorites. It's good. I one. love the dance at the end. It's such a sweet ending to a terrible episode. All right. So, Guy with the Pig Face. Terribly good. And he's holding an axe and he pops out and he's like, Arr! and I wrote in huge letters, not a giant. <laughs> not a, I wrote, is this supposed to be a giant? Right. <laughs> so, then he and Barry Gibb are fighting and he throws over a sweet in front of a CGI sawmill blade. Well, yeah, I wrote that next. He throws him on to a CGI log saw and it's the fakest shit I've ever seen. But it was hilarious. And there was a bunch of blood and then he splits him literally in half. Yeah. And then we open axe giant on the screen with some trees or as I wrote a long ass forest opening. Yep. They pan over a very long forest. And then we get our unintentional double feature. Oh my God. Can you tell everyone how excited I was when we saw this guy's face? <laughs> oh my God, Sam. <laughs> I lit, so, up, lit up like a Christmas tree. So let's just say we're now in the modern times. There's a poster hanging up. It's got like a guy pointing like Uncle Sam, like we want you for yeah. the militia. And it's the local militia, and it's talking about the right to bear arms and stuff or whatever. And then a hand grabs it and crumples it up, and it shows the character of Sergeant Hoke. So it's Quinn from The Beast of Bray Road. And actor Tom Downey. And I yelled out, and it's Quinn! (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I didn't realize he was in this. Right, so. I'm really good at that. This was what, eight? 
years or something after Beast of Bray Road? It was a while. It was seven not, or eight years. Yeah, yeah it was not Bray ten Road years. was oh five. This was thirty. So seven years. Yeah, eight years. Wow. So I recognized him instantly because I'm good with things mm-hmm. and like faces and people and stuff. all that stuff. And Ian didn't recognize him because he had facial hair and was a little bit older. He pretty much looks the same. So it was just the angle. It took me a second. Once I saw it, I was like, it's, I Rorschach tested it. And once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. Yeah. So we were both pretty pumped because he was the best part of Beast of Bray Road. And he's the best part of a lot of this movie, too. Oh, absolutely. He's like, we already said this, but he's really great. Like, he has really good comedic timing. Yes. Very funny guy. So, and he can do with terrible dialogue a lot. Right. Which he's, I'm about right. to go through once we oh, start God. the scene because I have all the nicknames. Oh, such bad dialogue and delivered so well. Thank God for this guy because yeah. I don't think this movie, just like this the last guy one, and the character Meeks, who we'll meet. Oh, yeah. Meeks was yes. funny too. Yeah. Those two make this movie for me. All right. So, I'm going to try not to call him Quinn. <laughs> Sergeant Hoke. He rips down the militia poster, crumbles it up. And at first I thought he was a park ranger, but it turns out mm. he's in the Department of Corrections. Corrections officer of some sort. He carries a weapon, so maybe he's a police officer. I don't know. Who they don't really explain. An authority figure. So then a blonde lady comes out, and her name is Sam. Sam's are cool. And then some youths come out in a slow-mo hero walk. Youths. I call it the walk all of trash. Angsty. Yeah, the walk of trash is a really good way to describe them. My God. They're terrible in every way imaginable. Came off like an assembly line of bad B-movie characters. I was also referring to the the acting, unfortunately. It was was pretty bad. They come out all angsty looking. Sergeant Hoke starts, he lines them up and is yelling at them. We find out that this is like an alternative sentencing type program. They're first-time offenders. They get taken in the woods for some sort of, like, I don't even know what the heck they're supposed to be doing. Woods time. Wood times so that they can get out of their jail sentence, I guess. So Sergeant Hoke is acting like a hardcore drill sergeant to them pretty much through the whole thing. And so he lines them all up and he starts yelling their names. He gives them nicknames. And this is where we get introduced to all of the characters. So I have their real names. You give the real name, I'll give the line. Okay. I want to say before we do this, a tip of my cap to this movie for naming all its characters in a nice and orderly fashion. Yeah, actually, it is really nice because I hate that when I don't know who they are. <laughs> As all of you who've listened to us are well aware. Yeah. Okay, so we have the first person up is Martin. He's a young black guy wearing an orange outfit. Move along, chicken little. <laughs> Then we have Trish, who's a young white girl with a really bad red wig, and she's dressed like a cowboy. Fall in, prairie dog. Then we have Zachary, who's a young white dude with a floppy mushroom cut, and he just looks real angry, and he's dressed like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Move along, wasted space. (laughs) Then we have Rosa, who's a young, brown-haired, apparently Hispanic woman, because that comes in later, and she just looks real angry. Fall in there, Thornbush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we get 
a girl pulls up in a car with her dad and he, he's dropping her off and he looks very upset. Oh, dad, you were supposed to drop me off a block away from school. Why'd you bring me right up? Right. And so her name is Claire and she's a young white girl with chunky blonde highlights and she just looks really meek and like me. Not like these other guys who are like all aggressive and angsty. They're all like giving him lip like they're hard and like first time offenders. <laughs> so wait, what does he call her? Oh, get in line, happy hour, because she came with a DUI. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, because it, it had listed their offenses, but none of them matter. None of them come back. Oh, actually, the only one worth knowing is Claire's because that comes back in the end. So I'll leave hers in. He does say something, one last quote from this, which we both laughed at. As of right now, you are on my stumps, all aboard my short bus, and we find out that stumps stands for stupid teenagers under my protection. (laughs) Which at first, he was calling them stumps, and I was like, that's really stupid. And then when he explained what it stood for, I thought that was really funny. I love it. It made me laugh. I mean, it's still stupid, but it made me laugh. So then everybody's in the car or the van and they're driving away and Claire and her dad wave to each other. And so they're driving away down a road that I swear to God was the road from beast of Bray road. It's absolutely the same road. Swear to God. It was, you know me, I recognize stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I'm crazy. So they're driving and Sam is in the front seat with Hoke and we find out that she's a social worker. So she and Hoke are supposed to be, working together in tandem basically to you know rehabilitate or whatever from their interactions it's very clear this is the first time they've ever met yeah absolutely and she's there to reform them because she says punishment is built into the system which i don't disagree with not wrong and hoke just like can't be bothered literally lights a cigar up in her face yeah yeah so then martin explains that he's a hacker and they're all talking about their offenses And so he's describing his offense, which was like hacking into something and stealing all this money. And it immediately made me think of the 90s movie Hackers with Johnny Lee Miller and Angela Mitchell. (laughs) And I was like, oh, like zero cool. (laughs) This guy had zero cool. So, yes. Yeah, he's real bad. He's also, unfortunately, I think the worst actor in the whole movie. Oh, the whole bunch. And that is an award because they're terrible. And in this scene, they're kind of crapping on each other. Yeah. What we get from in this car ride is Zach and Trish bond over being terrible people, making fun of one of the other kids, and they're going to clearly bang at some point. Oh, yeah. They're both awful. It's awful. Yeah. They're like the mean girls of the group. So they pull up to a chained off entrance. This is hysterical. Okay. So they're in the van. They pull up to a chained off entrance. We watch Hope get out to remove the chain to drive through, and we just see this random old man in flannel with albert einstein kookadoodle hair and he's behind a tree and he's gaping at them like he's a fish like his mouth is hanging open and he's like they have no idea he's there dude i said this to you because i couldn't help myself he looked like old greg he was amazing in the cave when he's popping out from behind things and just creeping randomly like, <laughs> you have a drink, warm berries from a shoe? <laughs> Want to go to a club where people wee on each other? <laughs> yes. Uh, no. No. 
You weren't supposed to answer that. <laughs> so it was hysterical. We were both laughing. It was ridiculous. Oh, he's so good. So they drive through. They reattach chain. Blah, 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 blah. They pull up to a cabin that's in the middle of nowhere. Hoke draws a line in the dirt with his toe. Literal he, line in the sand. Right. And he keeps telling people, toe the line, toe the line. So he has them line up and he gives them a speech about how they had choices and they made bad choices. And it kind of reminds me of prison Mike from the office. <laughs> totally <laughs> prison Mike. The worst part of prison was the dementors. <laughs> it's no joke. They're horrible. Yeah. And then here I wrote, I love this guy as an actor. I really like that he gives you his effort, no matter what garbage you put on the page in front of him. So funny. And he makes it fun. So here he says that they're stumps and they're going to become trees. And all the kids are like, we have to stay in this beat down cabin. And he's like, no, you stay in tents. So here's where we find out the format is sort of like, Sam is going to be doing counseling with them and Hoke is going to be doing random like physical activity, physical activities with them. He also makes Sam stay out in a tent. She's not allowed in the cabin either, which is hilarious. And the lighting here for filming. Not good. Remember the Christmas all through the house. All yeah, through yeah, the house. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember what it was called. Remember the lighting in the mall where it just oh, looked like fluorescent lighting the car, on yeah. their faces? That happens here mm-hmm. in this movie a few times, and I feel like it's inexcusable. Get a ring light, okay? <laughs> I bought one on Amazon for $10 a few months ago. You can get one. She just sits around the house with it lighting her? I do. I need to look, I need to look perfect. You nail it. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, right. As I sit here with, like... Well, oh no, the other day when I was working, I was just wearing a clay mask with eye patches. Our poor kid was like, Mama, face. <laughs> New face, who this? <laughs> so this next scene was amazing. So we then cut away as they're clearly going to like set their tents up. And we see a deer in the woods. And all of a sudden the deer looks up and there's a bear kind of eyeing it. And I'm like, all right, what, what's going to happen here? And then behind the bear, we see a gigantic leg. And finally, we see our giant. And he is a giant. And he picks up the bear and he snaps its neck and just starts going it down with like a knife on it. The deer's just casually walking like, yeah, that happens around here. Yeah, it was really strange because the deer didn't react. And we all know deer. unless. It's a car coming to hit them. They are very alert and run away immediately. But yeah, so we get we get a pretty good look at the giant. And so it's obviously the pig man from the beginning who yes. is way bigger now. And we find out what happened there later. And it's just as ridiculous as you could imagine. For scale, he's probably the size of like an oak tree. An oak tree could be a mature height. oak tree. How about the size of a two-story house? Yes, that's a much go. better comparison. He looks like the cartoon trolls from the Hobbit movie. Yeah, okay. The the bad CGI cartoony looking ones. He looks a lot like that. And that's it. So then we cut to, it's nighttime. It's all the kids. I'm going to call them kids. 
they're around a fire with Sam and everyone's basically telling their war stories. They're telling, you know, all the dumb shit they've done and everyone's joking about it and acting like they're hard. And the counselor's just like sitting there and as a counselor therapist, I was going like, to ask you, this is not how you run a group session. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> it seemed to me as a layman who has no training in counseling that this wasn't going well or going effective. So I was going to ask you, because all oh. I wrote in this is like, they're just making terrible jokes at each other. Well, yeah. And they're, they're validating each other's shitty choices and she's sitting there reinforcing their shitty choices. Whatever. It's stupid. I'm sure it's, it doesn't matter. I'm sure they didn't write it from the perspective of someone who knows anything about therapy, but it was just funny. Like, did you take detailed notes on this? Because I, I took a note or two about Claire and how they're talking. So she's the one who had a yes. DUI. Yeah. And they're talking about her accident. And it came down to more or less, she hit a guy, but the guy had run a red light. And before she hit him, the guy was also drunk and it hit like four other cars. So they start being like, you shouldn't have been in jail. You're a hero. And I wrote, is this movie advocating drunk driving? Well, and also... It seemed like her ch- her character changed from someone because up in like before this, she seemed like she didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Like she was embarrassed by it, possibly remorseful. Just, you know, in the two minutes that we saw. The one scene. Right. And in this scene, she's like, yeah, it's not fair. It's so stupid. And Sam, the therapist, says... Well, because everyone else is like, oh, you saved people by yeah. hitting that guy when you were drunk. And Sam says, do two DUIs make a right? Oh, you can't see how hard Sam just rolled her eyes. My whole body rolled. Then we get this. Scene turns around. Yeah. So then we get the old guy from earlier, the old Gregging jumps out. <laughs> <The> verb. <laughs> Moving forward. Oh, that guy's old gregging. <laughs> he jumps out just yelling. Yelling. Oh, I have the quotes. Go ahead because I didn't write any he of jumps that. jumps out day. yelling, trees go tall, then trees fall. <laughs> then he steals a marshmallow from one of them and starts eating and goes, ooh. He was <laughs> glorious. Glorious entrance. It was hysterical. This is up there with Elmer in Frankenfish entering catfishing a catfish. Yeah. Then I wrote, he's talking in riddles. I wonder if he's giving them clues to how they eventually have to survive or something, but I no, no one put that much thought into this. No, movie, it's I just guess. hilarious gibberish. Yeah. And I also wrote, Martin is terrible. Oh, I know. He's just because, some- because he just, he talks in a monotone and he delivers his lines like he's reading them off of a note card in his hand. And she's not a good actor. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. He's just like, hey, who are you? What are you doing here? Actually, I gave you a bit more feeling than he did. How dare you embellish his performance? Yeah. Um, So. Sergeant Hoke shows up. Meeks is clearly a regular. He kind of kicks him out. It's like, all right, get out of here, buddy. We don't want to see you again this weekend. Yeah. And he introduced his name is Meeks. And he's basically like, yeah, he's just a crazy dude who lives in the wood. Lives in the woods. So then, (laughs) 
So then we get the weirdest shot. So then we cut to Zach's abs <laughs> sticking, to describe it. sticking out of a sleeping bag. Was Zach cast from the same casting call that had the abs guy in all through the house? Yes, their I'm sure. Their performances were the same note. So he's in the tent. And then we see the tent opening and the redhead girl, Trish, crawls in and jumps on top of him. Takes her shirt off. And listen... Ian and I were laughing because they were making loud smooching sounds and what sounded like whale sounds were it playing in the background. Yeah, I really wrote, sounds like a whale funeral. In the distance. Like, it was like nature so sounds, strange. but they just used the wrong track on the disc. It was so funny. That was the ambient music. Yeah, apparently. and she was like, shut up and fuck me. And like, it's so wooden. It was very bad. And then we get a really strange shot of Sam unzipping their tent, the counselor unzipping their tent from the outside. And she's not looking in, she's looking away. So the shot is like looking at her and then behind her into the tent. And it almost looks like they're not like maybe it was superimposed on I mean, one another. Or I wouldn't put it past this movie. It's superimposed all sorts of stuff. I don't know why they use so much of that. It was very strange. I feel like it's cheaper to not use CGI, but that's just me. What do we know? Literally um, nothing about it. So she unzips the tent and she tells them, you guys broke rule number one. The next time you do it, I have to write you up and you're out of here. And they're going to jail or whatever. So then Zach lays back down, zips up the tent, like zips up the tent, lays back down. And then all of a sudden Martin's head pops up inside the tent mm-hmm. where they were just banging. And he goes, what happened? And Zach says something like, you were "Oh, you snoring. were you were yeah. snoring or something." It was, it was like trying to be popped off. I went, huh. It was trying. It was like a cheap gag, and I just was like, "Oh, okay, move along." So it's the next day. Yeah, the yes. next day, Hoke wakes them all up, gets them going, and he goes, "Quote: Drop your socks and grab your cocks. We're going on a hike." He says it to the boys, and he says something different to the girls, but I don't remember. It, what it wasn't was. good enough to write down. Yeah. So then Sam goes into the cabin with Hoke and she's like, oh, you read philosophy? Because he has like philosophy books and he just blows her off. And then she asks him to leave his gun behind. Why? So he goes into his room and leaves the gun behind. He just, she just doesn't feel comfortable with it with the kids or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But it's a plot device. I know. We're going to need it later in the place where it is. Then he's taking them on a march through the woods, and this, it's very reminiscent of Band of Brothers. What is the episode? Curry? Listen, I know you've only seen all the episodes but the final episode <laughs> once, and I've seen all the episodes many times because <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Great. So when they're in boot camp, it's like a thing. Oh, I remember now. Yep. Where they have to like run up that hill and run back, whatever. And David Schwimmer is their shitty yeah. officer. And this reminded me of that so much because he's just yelling at them and making them do dumb shit that doesn't matter. And he's making them march in place. And he's making the social worker march in place. Yeah. And if I were her, I'd kick him in the dick. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah, he's doing stupid rhymes and terrible yeah. chanting. Making them run uphill. And then there's a forest workout montage. Montage. Yeah, Ian in the montage, man. I wrote, is this Rocky 10? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it felt like. It's ridiculous. 
Um, then we get cut to Meeks just wandering around his cabin and he's playing chess with himself. Dude, Meeks is like libertarian fantasy living out in these woods. Oh yeah. Playing he's, chess, holding he's a shot. Way out. off the grid. America flags on his house. Yeah. So he's doing chess moves, which on a chessboard that's out in front of the cabin out in the woods. And then he goes, your move. And he goes back in to his cabin. And I'm like, oh, so he's pals with the giant. I didn't get that. But now that you say it, I see it. Yeah. Yeah. So they're buddies. So underneath the, um, it cuts back to the kids. The closed captioning just wrote quirky music. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't even know. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so they're running down to a river, and Hope makes them stop to have a picnic. He made them all bag lunches. Yeah, like shitty sandwiches. <laughs> I'm guessing probably bologna or something disgusting. They're like all that. drenched in sweat and complaining about being worked to death. I'm like, you're on a hike. No, they, they're not on a hike, Ian. All right, you're on an outdoors, like... No, they're being forced to run march in place they're not being worked to death they are dramatic yeah but they're obviously they're not being worked to death but they're being run aggressively in a way that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense point is for me anyway they're all in matching outfits yeah he planned this well he knew their sizes and everything i was just gonna say very well fitted outfits so here we have zach talking about running away and Trish has a little Motorola razor. Wait, th- what did I just say? Did I say Motorola? <laughs> she has a Motorola razor. I figured he would have taken their phones. Right. That was weird. Really strange. She's trying to get a signal. She's the only one with a phone. This is 2013. Yeah. So, like, people had phones at this yeah. point, cell phones, yeah. carried them around everywhere. I mean, I still have my flip phone. Well, you had your flip phone. Until just a couple years ago, really. 2017, yeah. Yeah. It's a great phone. The Dino phone. R.I.P. Um, oh, so it's she's, not dead. It's alive somewhere. That phone. It is alive die. somewhere. We just lost the charger. It was waterproof, <laughs> drop-proof. It was like this it yeah, was you a literal charcoal brick. While you were in the shower when we first started dating. <laughs> I'd be like, what is that noise? You're like, oh, I'm taking a shower. <laughs> I don't know why everyone doesn't look for that feature in a phone. It was a great feature. It's pretty funny. I mean, I couldn't get images. Group text would shut it off. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> it was like, no, too much technology. <laughs> it would die. Like It would start to bang and then literally black out. Oh, man. It was like your parents, anyone's parents trying to operate technology. The phone was like, I can't do it. It's scary. Unless it's your dad. Your dad is good at technology. That's a good point. So Zach is complaining and he's talking about Sergeant Hoke and he says, I'm a fragment in his sleep. What? You are not. No, you are a skinny white dude who talks a big game. Listen, little mushroom cut first time offender. You're not fragging anyone. Go back to sleep. Yeah. His offense. I don't remember what it was, but it was like cow tipping. Like it was stupid. He's every kid you knew who thought they were a gangster. I'm thinking of someone in particular, but I'm not going to say who it is. Well, that's why I left it vague. Yeah. <laughs> so Zach leaves to run away and Martin is to like. To where? 
right off into the woods. And Martin's like, oh man, we're gonna get in so much trouble. I'm gonna go get him back. Stop delivering his lines that I well. I know, I'm delivering them way better than he did. Sorry, guy who plays Martin. I hope you found Probably a job. Probably a wonderful human. Yeah, I hope you found a job that he's good at. So he follows him to stop him. They meet in like a lovely little meadow. <laughs> it is. And they're talking about how they're both mad at Hoke and they hate him. Um, and they hate this whole situation. They're like bonding a little bit, whatever. We can get through this together. And then all of a sudden, one of them, I don't remember who, goes, oh, what's that? And finds a bone on the ground. And then as they explore a bit more, they find a massive cow skull, an ox skull, as yeah. it turns out. And Zach grabs one of the horns and just takes it off make of the a skull. bong out of it. Right. Because he's super cool. Because he's a cool guy. Yeah. And he takes it as a souvenir. And it's legitimately the size of his torso. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's not light. <laughs> so as they go back to the picnic site, we pan down and we see that this is a giant burial mound. Yeah. There's a little cross with like a flower. I know. I know. Listen, this movie is a conundrum. Yes. And we'll explain it more later. But yes, yeah. that noise Ian just made, I feel it too. Yeah. We're back at the camp. Zach wants to make a bong out of the horn. He's talking about it. Hoke tells him, what the fuck is this? Right. Get rid of it. We're going back. Like, basically, you're an idiot. So then everyone starts running and Zach puts it in his backpack. <laughs> but it's sticking out of his backpack by like a foot. Yeah. And then he doesn't even zip his backpack because it's showing him running away like loose backpack, putting the backpack on. But it's like falling out and he's trying to hold It's It's dumb. They should have shot it differently, but whatever. It was really stupid. We can cut some of that out. Yeah. But, you know, he put it in his backpack and then runs after them and it's sticking out like a foot out of the backpack. It's kind of funny. So then we get a hard cut to Mel's Lumberjack Saloon. Yeah. The sheriff pulls up. And here's where we find out. The best actor in the film. What? The bartender. Oh, God. No. I was just going to say, here's where we find out that the sheriff is Claire's dad. And yes. so Claire's the DWI girl with the chunky highlights. So he's clearly a regular here. He goes in. He's talking to the bartender and the other woman who owns it, who's working the bar. And this bartender, old The bartender guy, is somebody's dad. Yeah, he's this like is someone's buddy. So the bartender's fiddling with a CB radio. He's the father of the waitress who's walking around, who is apparently the bar owner. The sheriff is talking about the program that all these kids are in and he's asking about it and he's asking about Hoke and he's like, what is it all about? Have you guys heard of it? You know, he's, he's concerned about his kid or whatever. And the bartender says, Oh, we killed a kid up there last July. God's like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, how come the sheriff doesn't know that? Right. Yeah. So he says, Hoke is crazy. And also Hoke's first name is Abner. Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> Which made me laugh. That's a great name. <laughs> Put it on the list for the next kid. And that, uh, no. <laughs> I like how you could stop your brain, stop dead in that track. So then the waitress, who's the bartender's daughter, she's like, shut up and go 
tend to the customers. So, so listen, the spot we're in right now, I'm going to describe this. I literally just wrote, let Sam go off on this. (laughs) (laughs) The sheriff is sitting at the bar. It's like a quiet, empty little bar. There's a small bar, like a few feet long with a bartender behind it. An empty room with a couple of high top tables behind where the sheriff is sitting. So they pan over and all of a sudden we're in like a rowdy fucking <laughs> roadhouse type situation. There's all these bikers playing pool and drinking and like shoving and... each other and stuff. And I'm like, what? Where is that? It made no sense. And then the daughter goes, no, not them. The paying customers. And they turn to another part of this bar, saloon, whatever. And all of a sudden, it's like a sit-down restaurant. But it's like a poker table. Right. With a bunch of dudes. We're like, fill our drinks. Who are holding up their beers. Like, we need another beer. And I'm like, where are all these people? Where are they? It's confusing. I'm confused by the setup in this bar. I need John Taffer to go in there and fix this this setup because yeah, it is confusing. The layout is bad. So at this point, I wrote, what the fuck is this Narnia bar? It's <laughs> <laughs> just like... <laughs> random shit popping up all over the place that's not actually there they're like walk through a doorway and all of a sudden you're in a brand new gigantic bar it's very strange so then the waitress is saying nobody died up there somebody had heat stroke it's a good program claire will be okay oh they call claire cb Mm -hmm. that's what they started calling her without any explanation so that's her name made my notes easier Um, so thank you so then she invites the dad for a drinky poo and he says no. And he goes outside and he just stares off into the woods. And that's the end of that. And I don't know why that was important except to set up that he's her dad and he's the sheriff. Yeah. And that he has some concerns about her well-being. Right. Then we get giant vision out of nowhere. Right. It looked like it was underwater. Blurry as fuck. And you see it stumble to where we just were with Zach and the other guy. And we see the horns missing and the giant lets out a snow beast like scream into the universe and Meeks pops out of his cabin with a shotgun like he's seen some shit. And he's like, oh, no, when he hears the scream and then it cuts back to the kids and they say, oh, is that a mountain lion? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, have any of you ever heard a fucking mountain lion? Because that shit sounds like guttural, wailing yeah, scream. I would have been like, is that every bear that's ever existed? Right. Exactly. Or a snow beast? And then Meeks, we, we cut to like trees and Meeks come <laughs> flying in from the side oh and you God. see his face like, Wah? and he just is like, Hah! like he's afraid. Yeah. And then that's it. And we cut to a different scene. Oh my God. It was so funny. I want to use Meeks in my life as my transition forever. I made Ian rewind it because it was so funny. And I think I was looking it. down looking at a note. Yeah, you were writing a and note. You were like, and I, no, no, no. I was like, no, you missed it. You're not laughing. I know you'd laugh at that. <laughs> they start messing around. Martin grabs the horn out of Zach's backpack and starts to run with it. And he's holding it up above his head. And as the air is traveling through the horn, it makes a sound and starts basically calling to the giant. And the giant is like, what? My horn. I'm a cum 
Purple Coming, coming Blue. Yeah, so. We literally had to stop the movie and we were laughing so hard. It was hysterical because I didn't, I, I didn't get it at first. I was kind of looking like, what is happening right now? And Ian's like, oh God, it's calling to the giant. <laughs> and then I was like, what? Yeah. And then we had to, we paused the movie because we were both laughing so hard. This is why we want to record ourselves so watching hard. it. This was one of those was moments so where we're funny. like, that needed to be played. Well, because it's stupid. Oh, yeah. It's funny, but it's stupid. How does he know what the horn sounds like? How often is it stolen, right? right. Yeah. Right. Or this is a problem. He needs to bury it better. Yeah. Because it was just sitting on top of the burial mound. So the kids stop, and this is where I wrote again, how does Red still have her cell phone? She's using it out in the open. like. Oh, yes. So they're all stopped. This is why she has it in the movie. Yeah. It's actually pretty funny. Sounds good. So they're all stopped in the middle of like a clearing, kind of in the middle of the woods. And Trish is trying to get service on her phone. Then we see some giant vision, like the underwater swimmy vision. And all of a sudden we hear the crazy stomping, like Jurassic Park-esque yes. situation where everyone all of a sudden is feeling the vibration and looking around like, what the fuck is happening? They all start looking at her because she's facing them. So she's holding up her phone, looking at it, trying to get service. And then all of a sudden we see the giant come into view behind her and everybody's faces because she's looking away from it and everyone else is looking at it, looking at her. And everyone's faces are like, what Why does no one go, hey, run, giant behind you. Yeah. She was terrible, so maybe they all mentally made the decision, fuck her. Right. Just a second before this, Hoke makes a comment that they're three miles from the cabin. It'll take 43 minutes for them to get back. So I thought they were setting it up that they were going to be on like a chase from the axe giant for like a large portion of this movie in the woods, which I feel like would have been way more fun than what actually happens. But that's not what happens. So while we're watching at that point, Sam starts going, wait, wait, hold on. Is that how many minutes are left in the movie? That would have been so cool. It was, it well, because light. he says like 42 minutes and 50 something seconds. And I go, Ian, pause the movie. Is that how many minutes are left? And then there being like 50 minutes left. So we're yeah. like, damn it. That would have been was, really cool. Yeah. Because it was a very specific. weird, specific time. Okay. So the giant standing behind Trish. And I just said, it just chops her in half, right? Did anything happen before that? No, it just chops it her just in half. It just chops her in half. Everyone just looks aghast. And everyone... Is horrified. Literally, vertically. Down uh, the middle. Yeah. Soup to nuts. <laughs> and um, I wrote, it wow. Great. I really thought the premise of this movie would be very different. I don't know how you thought a movie called Axe Giant would be different than well, acting. <laughs> I just mean the premise of the movie. Oh, okay. And it gets weirder and even further away from what I thought it was going to be mm -hmm. as time goes on. And I wrote, it's Pigman. <laughs> because here's where they show his face. Yeah. They didn't show his face earlier. They showed like a little bit of him, but they didn't show his face. This is where they showed his face. So he's not CGI. He's an actor. Yeah, he's a dude in makeup. But everything around him is CGI. <laughs> so he's a guy at a green screen. It's an interesting choice. Yeah. And so he starts chasing them. 
And I wrote, how can they run from him? He's so big. And he's just, his axe is huge. He's taking hacks at him. Well, and I even said to Ian, if he's this big, his one step is like 20 of their steps. The only solution for them in this moment would have been to go in six different directions. Mm-hmm. And that way he can only chase one of you. Which they do not do. They, they, go, in, of, they split into they two go in like groups. two groups. Which, again, you really needed to all go. This is one of the few times where don't stay in groups. Yeah. And hope you're not the one he targets. So this is, we get like a full on, full frontal shot of this guy. He's a big giant dude. He's not wearing a shirt. He has very wrinkly nips. And <laughs> he's wearing, that. he's wearing jeans, very Hulk like jeans situation. Except they go all the way down. They're not short. Who made jeans that big? Exactly. Yeah. That's my Questions. point. And he also is not good with that axe. He's just swinging it wildly and not hitting anybody. Um, he's good at hitting trees into people, though. Uh, yeah, we're not there yet. Oh, oh sorry. Right. No, he's just hacking wildly. Right. So they kind of split up. For Paul Bunyan, you figured he'd have more axe skill. Yeah, but we didn't know he was Paul Bunyan at this point. Yeah, but the movie's premising that it is. I meant like is the direction of this film. The movie's premising? Yes. <laughs> so they... Sort of split up, as we said earlier. Hogue and Sam run off one direction. We don't see CB. Then Zach Martin and Rosa are running off. And... Giants hot on their tails. The giant... I'll let you describe it, Ian. So I had to rewind this because Sam looked down and missed it. And I had to make her watch it. So he's swinging his axe wildly. And he hits a tree... And it launches what looks like a tree trunk sized chunk of tree. And it hits Rosa in the most comical CGI knockover. It was a cartoon. It was a cartoon. It was a cartoon log hitting (laughs) a cartoon arm on a human person with cartoon blood. And she just falls over. It's like, oh, she should have been obliterated. It was hilarious. By this tree. It it just like bumped her arm. She was like, oh. Oh, I'm the vapors. Well, you know, it was a cartoon, so it couldn't have hurt that bad. No, because the other two guys get her up pretty quickly, and she's yeah. kind of okay. Yeah, and then it turns out later she has like a wound in her abdomen area. I mean, but you, you got to watch out for those trees. So it was hilarious. The giant sees CB by herself, and she's running alone, and he stomps off after her. Then CB runs into Hoke and Sam. They're all running to the cabin. And the giant's nowhere to be seen at this point. Yeah, this giant can stealth pretty well yeah. for a giant. He's gone. They're just running and they're looking around and he's just not there. It happens here. It, it happened happens when he snuck up on the redhead. And it'll happen again later in a driving sequence. He can get stealthy. Yeah, he's kind of like the T-Rex from yes. Jurassic Park. Yeah. So here's, to me, the saddest part of the movie. And also one of my favorite parts of the movie hilarious this is a top and yeah three death in any movie i've ever seen like this is a tucker and evil versus dale level death tucker and evil tucker and evil versus this is a tucker and dale versus evil level death it's like up there with the wood chipper in my mind um i don't know if i would quite go there because that movie gave me a whole different way better feeling (laughs) But this was, oh. listen, for what it is, it was really good. They should have just called the movie at that point. Yeah. so We should probably tell you what that point is now. Right. We should tell you about it. Or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just keep talking for another hour. 
the giant flanks them out of nowhere from his, he takes off his, his, what is the cloak in Harry Potter? The invisibility cloak, Ian? Is it literally called the invisibility cloak? Wow. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Everything else had a cool name in Harry Potter. Really? They couldn't come up with like the cloak of mysteries. Listen. The shroud of disappearance. As we've we've come to find out, J.K. Rowling. is a garbage human. Well, yeah. But apparently her creativity can only go so far. And she's a garbage human. Garbage human. Go ahead. So he takes off his shroud of the unknown and he's flanked them. And he sw- you see Hoke. I had to stop myself from saying Quinn. You're right. It's hard. <laughs> he literally, he tells the girls to run and he, he goes to reach for his gun and it's not there. And you're like, no, he's going to die now. And he's he gets chopped, chopped in, half. in half at the and waist. Listen. He lives for a couple more minutes. A while, and he He's does crawling. not waste that time. So he yells to Sam because she try she like goes back to try to save him, the social worker lady. What are you do? He's like, I'm and done. he's like, get the fuck out of here. He doesn't actually say that, but that's basically the gist. And he's like, get these kids off the mountain. Yeah. So noble guy. Yeah. So he then turns and tries to distract the giant by shit talking how he's going to shove oh. his food up, foot up its ass. So funny. It's so, so great. Listen, he only has half a body. Half from a like body. belly button up. We're talking signs and level bad. He would obviously be very dead at this point also in real dead. life, but in this movie, he's fully alive. Oh yeah. He's like not. He's not woozy. He's fine. He's totally fine, and he is shit talking like a champ. Oh. It is so funny. It's great. And the giant's trying to get his axe out of the tree because the axe is stuck in the tree. And the whole time, Hoke is just shit-talking him. And Ian and I are cracking up. And then the giant just walks over to him and stomps on him and smashes him up. At which point, both of our hearts drop a little because we're like, Hoke's out of the movie. I I turned to Ian. I was like, oh, man. Tom, if you're ever interested, let us know. I would love to hear about shooting this scene. I'm sure we'll watch more movies with him. <laughs> I actually have one. And I've scheduled us out through like next year. He's in the end of the year in one. Yeah. Um, but this scene was everything. This scene was everything. It was, All right. it was real fun. So we get Sam and CB. They run back. They run into the other kids. They head back to the cabin. And I wrote, how the fuck is this flimsy cabin going to protect you from this giant? Well, listen, Zach is like poking the ceiling. <laughs> Like, what are you going to do? Are you checking for soft spots? I don't understand. Everyone's freaking out and bad acting all over the place. (laughs) They're just bad acting all over the place. I'm really not going to waste too much in the scene until Meek shows up. So they decide the van is their best chance. Oh, Hoke has the keys. Never mind. So Zach (laughs) starts yelling in monotone. Get it together. Okay. Sam remembers... That Hoke left his gun in his room and she goes to get it. Yay. There we go. Um, So then Sam and Martin go outside. Sam's brandishing the gun like she's never held a gun in her entire life. Or maybe the only gun she's ever held is like Buck Hunter at the bar. You know? Right. Um, What's Martin brandishing though? Martin has a wooden rake circa 1865. (laughs) It was from the original scene. Yeah. It's It basically looks like three gigantic sharpened sticks tied together. It's like a broke down wooden trident. Yeah. Um, They run to the van to hotwire it. And Sam with that gun is how I imagine my mom holds a gun. Oh my God. Yes. You know, she was just like, hey, hey, here I shoot you. 
Um, and then Zach inside the cabin is looking out the window with a tiny little knife, like he's gonna cut a bitch. What's it gonna do? A giant. Right. He's gonna prick its finger and I wrote who taught these kids weapons. He's gonna prick its finger and do a glucose test. <laughs> Maybe it's a little rusty and right. <laughs> it'll slowly get uh, a staph infection. <laughs> yeah. Um so then we hear some sounds from the woods and Sam and Martin run back inside. Martin can't hotwire it even though he's yeah. good because he's not a real hard criminal. No, he hacks things. He doesn't hotwire cars. And he's whining like a little baby in monotone about how he can't hotwire the car. Then we see the van just, giant just walks up to it. Pulled out of the scene and the giant has grabbed it and is pulling it away like a, one of those little um baby toys on yeah. a string. I wrote giant toes the van away. Clearly they were illegally parked in his forest. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Why didn't he just finish them off right there? Why doesn't he just kill them? He's got them cornered. <sighs> I mean, listen, he wants to toy with them. It's fun. Um, so then we see the giant going into a lonely, damp cave. And those feet are made of paper mache. Clearly, the giant feet are made of paper mache. So this it's is when I turned to you and I said, holy shit, this giant looks like Braun Strowman. He does, 100%. I love you, Braun Strowman. You are wonderful. He does love you. This giant has some strong resemblance to you. Yeah. It's the hair and the beard. Yes. And I think the underlying features. Yeah, it's giant. I mean, Braun Strowman's a giant man, so that doesn't, yeah. I just meant facial features. So here's where we get this like weird little glimpse of the giant. He's like panting. He seems sad. He's had a day. Yeah. He's studying the blood on his axe. He like touches it and then he washes it off. And the closed captioning says dramatic music. And I don't understand why this is necessary. I wrote why this scene. Right. Because it just makes him humanized. Right. And later we find out a little bit more about why but it's still not a necessary scene i mean very shortly we find out but this comes back to your point of with this movie it's stuck in the middle it plays the middle of the road of these two competing films one where there's just a maniac axe giant right and one where there's this sympathetic character and it's trying to make you think it's the first but also the second and it doesn't pull that off oh god needs to go one way or the other listen at the end, I'm sure we're going to have a little conversation about it. Yes. I wrote, we then cut to Zach doing his best Hollister posing with a wound. <laughs> right. He has a tiny little baby scratch on his hand. He's got like that pouty face like. Oh. Yeah. And CB comes over and just starts wrapping it up. And there's lots of longing glances between them. I wrote, she will tame his wild heart. I am wrong. But that moment, I thought it might happen. <laughs> then we get. The best scene in the movie, in my opinion. That isn't the death of Tommy right. Outing. Right. <laughs> this was it's great. Meek's full body leaping into the scene. Dude, screaming. Yeah, it's a Kramer entrance better than Kramer. Oh my God. He looks like a disheveled Martin Sheen. Oh, it's he's amazing. So funny. So he's banging on the cabin door to be let in. They let him in. 
he asks them, like, what did you do? Oh, yeah, he comes in hot. Because that's the only way he rolls. He says, you youngins been messing. I never saw him so riled up. (laughs) (laughs) So then they show him the horn that they stole. And he gets all, you know, he quiets down. He goes, this is very bad. There's like a 5% chance that the character of Meeks is just a guy they found on set. And this is who he is all the time. (laughs) He was very funny. (laughs) That's how good this guy was. He seemed familiar. We'll have to pull it up. Maybe it's because he kind of looked like Martin Sheen a little bit, but he looked familiar. Like he's played a, a wacky cabin dwelling recluse before or something. Um, so then we cut away from the cabin and we see a shot over top and then we go back into the cabin. So I yeah. think that's supposed to be showing that time has passed. Maybe. I don't know. We have Meeks talking and he's going to give us a whole lot of backstory. Are you ready? Or are you trying to find him on IMDb? His name is Joe Estevez. He's the 10th of 10 children. Estevez, is he related to Martin Sheen? He has been in as an actor. 300 films. He's the younger brother of actor Martin Sheen and the yes! uncle of Emilio, Charlie, Renee, and Ramon. I knew it. Oh, I love him. And he's he's part of the fam. You were right. Oh, sorry. I had so to funny. find that. I had to find that. I kept thinking that he looked like a very disheveled Martin Sheen and he's a good actor. So it, it all makes sense now. You it's were all right on all the fronts. Look at that. All right. So we had getting a whole lot of story. So I knew this was where we were going to get the exposition finally. Right. So Meek says, You've all heard of him. Paul Bunyan. Or as he says it, and I wrote it out, Bunyan. Um, I look it. I wrote it out too. <laughs> Bunyan. Oh my God. <laughs> Someone in this scene, and maybe you can explain my notes to me. I wrote just, I literally have the phrase big, giant, bodacious baby. Yes, yes. That's that's a quote because I wrote it down too. Okay. So okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this for yep, you. You, you need to do this because I will be laughing too hard. And you will also make it way too long. And these are already long enough. So in the late eighteen hundreds, Captain Larch Bunyan married Helga, who was ripe with child, and she gave birth. To a large, giant, bodacious baby. (laughs) Bodacious? I don't know. Let's just keep going. So the doctor told them that this child has a rare disease. He's going to be at least two times as big and live three times as long as a normal human. And I wrote, can I have this disease, please? But always have the mind of a child. Oh, yeah, yeah. What I, fucking listen. disease? Dude, the 1800s were a time. You could, As a doctor then, you could just be like, oh, yes, he's going to have the foot of a goose and the mind of a squirrel man. And they'd be like, oh, shit. How do we cure it? <laughs> so I wrote a murdery child? So this, I figured I'd give you all a timestamp. We're at 54 minutes and two seconds now. So there's like a half hour or so left at this point. I'm still stuck on bodacious because the definition is excellent, admirable, or attractive. Listen, haven't you seen the Bill and Ted movies? We all know what bodacious is. I wrote here, I'd listen to Meeks tell tall tales about history all day long. 
Yeah, can we so just have fun. a series of like a murderous Johnny Appleseed? There probably is one. I'll look. And if there's not, we should write it. Dibs, d- uh, by my dibs, voice again. Dibs, yeah, dibs, dibs. <laughs> fuck off. I see you there creeping toward a keyboard. So then Meeks continues and says young Bunyan was working in the lumber yards as a child and he won all the lumberjack competitions. And then we get a flashback. Oh my God. Flashback. And it's all those lumberjacks from the beginning mm-hmm. in 100% modern clothing. They're wearing like Timberland boots or like and like LL Bean jackets yes, with like the fleece lined flannel jackets. It's so ridiculous. North face. So <laughs> he Meeks is saying they were chopping down so many trees that the food was scarce and, you know, the animals were foraging further than where they'd be. And the lumberjacks from the beginning scene come upon a giant blue ox which is Babe, Paul Bunyan's best friend and companion, who in this movie, the iteration of Babe, is a big cartoon ox with a crazy eye and potentially rabies. Oh. So why does it have a crazy eye? My God. Can, all right. By crazy eye, I mean it looked like one. It was, it's it's a it full foot lower than the other one, and it's a different color, and it's like off to the side, and it's bulging. It reminded me of like in Skyrim or a video game when the game glitches out and the body yeah. moves kind of wrong. Yes. So when I say it's a fully cartoon animal, it is. The animal's cartoon, the background is cartoon, the whole thing is a cartoon the whole scene is a cartoon. It could have been from like the seventh guest or like it's a not, late 90s video game CGI. It's not even CGI. It's a fucking cartoon. That's what it looked like. It was un- unbelievable. It was so bad. So then these lumberjacks are like, ah, oh, dinner time. We're starving. Blah, blah, blah. And so this is when I realized I was right, that that was Babe that they were roasting. And that's probably why Paul Bunyan was so mad. It shows Babe running at them aggressively, oh, which God. is why I said maybe it has rabies. Yeah. And the guy at the beginning, the Barry Gibb pooper, he shoots Babe and kills Babe. Quote, deader than a dinosaur, which is accurate because. Dinosaurs are dead. They're dead. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Like, uh. so then baby Bunyan comes upon their lumberjack camp with dead babe carcass and the loggers were quote feasting on babe. Oh my God. Then again. We get a montage of everyone snarfing deli meat in front of a green screen and Bunyan getting progressively angry. Like dang. One of the guys the first is like dangling it over his mouth, eating it. Like, like dangling it over and shoveling it in their mouths. Ian and I were laughing so hard. We were around the scene at least twice because it was so funny. Oh, I couldn't get enough of and it. And all of it was CGI on a green screen. One of the guys had this ridiculous mustache, which we kept pointing oh, out. Yeah. And- I drew a picture of it. And <laughs> did. <laughs> it was, so the scene was great. Was oh. Twirly, swirly mustache. And the murder montage was. So. Yeah, so we have a flashback of the choppings. Someone's head gets chopped off and flies onto someone else's dinner plate. Deli meat guy gets 
split spits out his food and then gets act there's an axe throw kill. Yeah, everything is a fake cartoon. There's so much green screen happening. It was wonderful. It was hysterical. Like watching them shoveling the meat into their mouth and Bunyan going like eh, 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 oh. as he's seeing each person. It was a montage of like eight different people and every single one he would be like I want his faces in a doctor's office on a scale of one to ten pain face instead of the little smiley circle so so funny so good and so terrible whoever thought that thank you Uh, I wouldn't go that far I would so then after he murdered everyone apparently Bunyan went on the run but the townspeople found him and they chained him up so then we get this This is funny too i made you rewind this part too we get a green screen and cgi gratuitous scene of bunyan being pulled through like an old timey western town and it's all cgi and there's like cardboard cutout people in the background in the background because you literally had to rewind it because you're like, wait, was that a cardboard cutout? I think it was like a CGI cardboard cutout. Yeah. It was basically just like a picture of people superimposed <laughs> into a doorway. And then they're walking by a bunch of people who are like, shame, shame, bad. Murder. Yeah. And one of the people is a woman named Maybell who Bunyan is in love with who looks exactly like CB, which comes into play very briefly later but doesn't ultimately what is with matter old western towns and bloody bill style women looking like the monsters this wasn't even an asylum movie no right i wonder if it was the same person who wrote it though so the townspeople take bunyan they toss him in a mine shaft they blow it up to seal it and then the townspeople made up all of the good paul bunyan stories to keep the mining business and to keep prosperity going which doesn't make any sense. No, that like, makes no sense. Who gives a fuck about Paul Bunyan? I don't know. Unless it was the 1800s, you, know. you didn't have much. Um, what? <laughs> I don't know. It was the 1800s. People were entertained very easily. I guess. Yeah. I wrote any other movie without Meeks. This is way too much exposition because this yeah. went on for a while. Oh God, it was a very long, um, drawn out thing. But the flashbacks made it bearable yeah. only because of the meat smashing into their face <laughs> and just the complete ridiculous stuff. That I wrote was in happening. my notes at this point after this exposition, Sam literally looks at me and goes speechless. <laughs> yes, I was. I was completely speechless. We actually had to pause the movie for a moment because I couldn't even write notes because I didn't even know what to say, what to say or to do with myself. So Bunyan escaped the mine shaft, obviously. Um, <laughs> he went, out. Right, he just climbs out from the rocks. He went and got Babe's remains, wherever they were. And he made the little shrine where the guys stole the horn earlier. And so he's mad because they desecrated, quote, his only friend. I would be too. Well, yeah. Totally understand his anger. Especially if I was, you know, hundreds of years old with the mind of a child. Right. Listen, the whole like mind of a child thing is fucking stupid, but whatever. It doesn't make any sense in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> so Meek says the only chance they have is to put 
Babe's remains back. And so we're one hour, one minute in at this point, and we get Bunyan's shadow looming over. Yes. Zach runs out with the horn. All right. He then, instead of going back to try and put it back, just chucks it in the woods. He just throws it and says, take it back. It's the only thing that can save them. Meeks literally just told you that seconds ago, and you ran out and threw it into the woods. And he chucked it, and I quote, over a mountain. Yeah, he's like Uncle Rico in uh, Napoleon Dynamite. So, of course, this doesn't work. And this reminded me of the scene in the hazing early on with the giant horn and Brad Dourif. Uh-huh. Because the horn gets chucked right back out of the woods, yeah. right through Zach. I wrote horn stab. Horn stab. Sam, the social worker, in case you're forgetting who these people are, tries to fire the gun, but apparently the safety's on. As Bunyan stomps up and drags Zach away. I also wrote after this wound, the people in this movie live way too long with fatal injuries. Oh my God. The horn goes through his entire torso. Like his entire torso is, is missing. Like major lungs, all of that stuff. Stomach. Yeah. You name it. He's alive and screaming as he's dragged away. And it's dumb. I wrote, there's a 10% chance that he's still alive somehow at the end of the movie, but no, no. Yeah, you did You did say that, too, and we collectively rolled well, our eyes. Because they're dragging him away, and he's still alive yeah, aggressively. What's the point of dragging him away? Right. What are you going to do with him? You're not going to fucking eat him, right? I mean, I'm not, no. That has okay. not been established in this movie. Yeah. So, Meeks, they cut back into the cabinet, and Meeks is just cooking dinner. He's making some sandies. <laughs> he's in the he's- kitchen making some sandies. So, we'll we'll kind of figure out later, I understand why Meeks isn't afraid. Right. Because they're friends. So, oh, you already said it with the chessboard. They're friends. They're friends. So Meeks yeah. is like, I was just here. You made him mad. I'm not worried about right. me. So he says, all right, at first light, we're going to get out. You got to let him settle because apparently they're friends. They know each other. So he goes and lays down in Hoke's bed like, Sergeant won't mind. True. <laughs> Rosa, who we haven't heard about since she got the branch smashed on what her. She's crying it? about her daughter. She says, I told her I was going to get her out of that place, which makes it sound like maybe her daughter's in a group home or something. Which oh, my is God. Yeah. What, really awful. There must, I think there was something earlier on about like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Martin's trying to emote. Martin's reading lines off a page. Yeah. She has a little tummy scratch from getting hit with the tree. <laughs> tummy scratch, yeah. CB shows Sam how to use the gun and is like, oh, my dad's a sheriff. Burp, burp. They have a little moment. Yeah. Yeah. Don't care. So then we're back in the cave. And Bunyan is cleaning and sharpening his axe with his hand, yep. it looks like. And then he starts sharpening it on the wall of the cave and he yells out, oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> like I mean, he's a macho man, I'm Randy so Dad. on Team Bunyan at this point in the movie. Oh, like, well, especially because there's no one likable left alive. Well, no. Meeks, but at this but point. Meeks isn't in danger, so I don't right, care. Right, right, right. Then we leave the woods and we're with the sheriff. And he's driving his car and just a reminder, the sheriff that CB's dad, because he's been out of it for so long. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he gets the dispatchers like, hey, can you go check out a bear sighting out in blurbity blurb, way out in the middle of nowhere? And I'm like, is that really what the sheriff does? Is that his job? Don't they have animal hey, control? Blurbity blurb's a slow town. Yeah. So it turns out he's already on his way there because he's decided to go check on his kid. So then we're back in the cabin 
and Meeks is telling CB that she's the spitting image of Maybell. His great aunt. Yeah, who we heard about in the flashback that Bunyan was in love with. And he just happens to always carry a photo of on his person. Right. And as you do, he says to her, he hands her the photo of Maybell and says, you get a second chance. What the fuck does that mean? It means nothing. So I think ultimately, ultimately what it means is you get a second chance to like not treat him like the Frankenstein monster, which is pretty much what happened before and what is happening again. This movie is Jurassic Park Frankenstein. That's what this movie is in the woods. Yeah. In a deciduous forest. So Meeks is going to get his car. Is that what I wrote down? Yes. He says, I'm going to get my truck. Yeah. And in my notes, I wrote, he's never coming back to them. I thought he was ditching him hard. Uh, no, I didn't think that. I thought he'd come back and something else happens. So then the sheriff is in the woods. He's walking with his little sniper rifle. He finds hoax. Torso-ish. Tor- well, his, his hand sticking out of a pile of mushy blood stuff. And a gigantic footprint. His radio is not working because apparently he's too far out. I said he's he's in the Frankenfish swamp. <laughs> yeah. So he climbs the fire tower, which happens to be right there, which apparently nobody noticed. And he's calling for help on the radio. And you can hear it flashes to that saloon place that he was at. Yeah. The 17 Narnian bars inside of that little barn. And you can hear him over the radio calling for help, that he needs help on this mountain or wherever that he's at. But Mel's Lumberjack Saloon was so busy that no one answered it right away. <laughs> they were they were putting chairs on tables. <laughs> so then we're back at the cabin, and everything is in really bad slow-mo for a second. Yeah. Everybody's just moving slow motion. And then all of a sudden, Bunyan smashes through the roof. I wrote he's Bloody Bill on this scene. Yeah, and then the same situation as Bloody Bill where they're just reusing the reaction shots of them with stuff falling on them over and over again, flashing from each person and using the same shot, and I was getting annoyed. So I didn't think after the Babe the Blue Ox, the CGI cartoon stuff could get worse, and then this happened. No, no, no. Babe with Blue Ox is the worst CG on the history of the planet. This is like close second. Okay. I can I can concede that. It was so bad. Oh, no, no, no. This is third, because second is at the end on the bridge. Oh, shit. So, all right, this is third. Later. All right, so this yeah. is the bronze medal. So first we get Martin poking at his hand with the little wooden rake from earlier. Um, and the axe giant Bunyan grabs Rosa, and it's... Through the roof. The fakest cartoon. He grabs her through the roof. He's like holding her up. But it's so it's a real person sometimes. And then it's a cartoon other times. And when it's a real person, it's a cartoon arm on a real person. Oh, man, it's a mess. Cut and paste hack job. Marty, I call him, I started calling him Marty. (laughs) He runs out to go try to save her. Marty's not bright. Rosa just gets tossed and she's smashed up. Smashed into a tree, broken dead. Yeah. Sam finally gets the gun to work and she's shooting Bunyan. She shoots him in the eye. Martin is pissed and grabs a little tiny tree branch and throws it at uh, Bunyan. Which fixes his eye. Yeah. (laughs) And now he's mad at them again. So then Sam, CB, and Martin are the only ones left. 
and they are backed into like a little copse of trees. And then all of a sudden the dad shows up, the sheriff, and starts firing, going, hey, ugly. Yeah, he's got like a uh, a, a rifle. He has, of he has a trank gun. Oh, you're right. It's a yeah. trank gun. Yep. Which we didn't know at first. We were confused. And then Bunyan falls backward into the cabin. And Martin says some weird shit and they leave. Yeah. Didn't yeah. write in that. Listen, no, no. They go to leave. Well, no, we're getting there. I was just going to say, we ran through that real quick because that was the gist of it. And that was the best, the best way If you want we could. what we just said to take up five or six minutes more of your time, watch it. For, for real. So then Meeks pops out with a gun and he's pissed at them and he's saying, he's just a boy, talking about Bunyan. And he's, you know, on Team Bunyan, yeah. which... Like I the rest of us. Yeah. yeah, they're friends. They live on the mountain together. Fun little recluse chess game. Martin jumps and grabs the shotgun. With like his the, stomach. Right, and shoves it into his own body. And then Meek shoots him. So, bye, Martin, you dumb fuck. So he's dead. This didn't make sense to me. In the background, so now Meek's is got the sheriff and Sam and CB still at shotgun point. And he's talking like, you're all your time's up. Like I'm going to, you know, you're making me do this. Bunyan's getting up. This was Bunyan's friend. Well, no, it shows him like his vision is a little blurry because okay. he's been shot a bunch of times. He's got the tranquilizers in him. I think he just was like, he saw a person and went at him because Bunyan gets up and he grabs his ax. Shucks it. So Meeks calls CB Maybell. And that she shouldn't have shunned Bunyan. He's like, you shouldn't have shunned him, Maybell. Like he lived back then or something. I don't understand that whole thing. The sheriff sees Bunyan and says, you're "You're history, history, old old man. man. And everyone gets down. Bunyan throws his axe. It's spin, this fancy spin move and chops off Meek's head. I wrote here, I like how the closed captioning calls him Paul in all his subtitles. Oh, yeah. It just says Paul grunts. Yeah. <laughs> so then Meek's head rolls and oh. lands facing the camera with his tongue out, and we have like a little Doctor Who music. Yeah, we You know, weird. like the music between. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Then Bunyan yells and starts chasing them, and then they're all running to the, the truck sheriff's truck so guys i know that was like hard and fast so it gets harder and faster (laughs) that's what she said from here michael scott high five yeah i've made multiple references to him tonight it's kind of funny so let's just like tone it down for a second (sighs) ah take a breath so because this this movie like so this movie jumps in and never stops going, which I appreciate, but it also makes it difficult to talk about mm-hmm. sometimes because there's really nothing to talk about in that whole scene that we just talked about. It just was a bunch of dumb shit happening it and happened. people dying. Yeah, it just and it just had to happen. Yep. And so now we have a little bit more and it gets weird. Er. <laughs> right. So, I I really, I, I want to say the same thing. This movie, at this point, I was kind of speechless. Yeah, so this movie, we've made multiple references to Jurassic Park. This movie 
the scene that we're about to get to is the most blatant reference to Jurassic Park. It's not even a reference. It's a scene from Jurassic Park. It is the scene from Jurassic Park where the T-Rex is chasing the Jeep. The dad is Jeff Goldblum. The Paul Bunyan character is the T-Rex. <laughs> and CB and Sam in the front seat are uh, the other ones. The other two. Whatever. So the dad puts bullets in his gun. Thank God. Yeah. He gives CB the keys and is like, you can do this. And we're like, like Ian and I DUI. it's not like she'd never driven before. Right. And also Sam's able to drive. Yeah. Or, you know, she sounds like she has her license back. So then they're about to drive away. The dad is in the bed of the truck. And then Bunyan here. I wrote Bunyan slash T-Rex is on the road chasing them. I wrote this felt like a video game level with quick yes. time events. Yes. It's horrible CGI. So it's obviously this man dressed in full makeup and everything in a, you know. Paul Bunyan. Right. Superimposed onto the scene. It's very obvious. It's very silly. It. I was totally okay with it. Listen, it was funny, but it was way too long. Oh, this needed to be like 20 seconds. It was like three minutes. No, it was, it didn't even need to be 20 seconds. Do you even know how long 20 seconds is? I would say stop right now and count to 20, but it's too long and I don't want anyone to have to do that. Do it on your own time. I'm absolutely going to do that later. So as the dad is shooting at Bunyan, Bunyan is deflecting the bullets with his axe. While also swinging it at the truck. Right. And CB is driving this truck so slowly i was getting angry i don't know do you I remember was, i was like why is she driving so slow Drive i was fast. like is she mad at her dad she want him to get eaten by the bunion t-rex i don't understand so at one point a i wrote press x faster to dodge better um, but he hits the truck with the axe and it just keeps driving and it's like there's no way that it didn't knock the truck off the road right. into oblivion. Kind of like so last huge. week when they hit the motorcycle in class of 99 right. and the way it didn't wipe out. His axe is the size of the truck. Oh, bigger. It's bigger. Right. So if he hit I'm talking about the axe head. Oh, okay. If he hit the truck flying. It's like a golf ball. Right. And it would also be totally demolished. But whatever. We obviously are ignoring all science in this movie. So let's Let's just let that Can one I tell go. you about Paul's disease again. <laughs> yeah. So there's the dad, like during that scene, gets knocked off and he like flails over the side of the truck a little bit. Oh my God. He was, on. he was almost falling off in the worst, most hilarious. If you tried to plank on the side of a truck bed, yeah. what he was doing. He was like, oh, I'm falling off. Like, if you're and joking around with your friends, you're like, I might fall. Very easily climbs back in. Yeah. Um, and Paul's gone. Right. He's gone, and they're like, oh, and then all of a sudden, no idea how this logic he's works. Standing in the road in front of them, he comes out of the woods, like, must have been like a, must have circled back on his helmet. Sure, something. So, CB very slowly crashes a truck into a tree as Paul swings the axe paul bunyan swings the axe and takes the lights off the top of the truck almost hits the dad but doesn't so as she crashes into the tree the dad like slowly rolls out of the truck 
book. So I wrote, of course you were going to crash into a tree if you randomly jerk the wheel all over the place like she does in that scene. Oh, God. But she was only going like 15, so it's all right. I also wrote, is the dad Hector? How did he survive this crash? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Our movies all blend together. They really do. And we're about to get to maybe the third greatest thing and the second winner of our graphics. So I should first say I'm on my last page of notes. So you guys I'm also on my last page of notes. It's it's almost at the end. Almost so there. throughout this movie, we didn't mention it as they're coming to the mountain when they were in the van at the beginning. Yes. And then the sheriff, when he was coming to the mountain, they passed by what looks like a reservoir with a bridge going out over it mm. both times. So now they are out on this road where that bridge is. So it's recognizable like, Oh, we we've been here before we drove by it. Um, so they, everybody's fine. They get out of the car crash and they just run and they're down on the road. <sighs> they look up this cliff moment. And Paul Bunyan standing yeah. above them. If I wish we had my reaction to this moment. Before you describe it. I'm, I'm shaking my call head. this moment in my notes. So I won't say what happens, but I wrote in response, oh my God, stop it. This is the best move. Why no win all the awards? Why no win? So Bunyan is up on a cliff overlooking the road. Oh, he, just thinking about this. They're down on the road. They look up and see him. Remember, he's massive, okay? Massive. And he's way up on a cliff. Cliff's like 150 feet up, something like uh, that. I would say much higher than that. Maybe even more. He fly leaps and <laughs> in what looks like a cut and paste stop motion animation oh my God. done by my mom who can't use a computer, he lands on the road. Oh in my front God. Of I wrote Bunyan flies. <laughs> it was un real i i will try and find a way to get a link to this to you guys because this was mind-blowing i screamed (laughs) if you had woken our child i wouldn't have been upset with that scream i would have understood i didn't scream in horror i screamed in disbelief slash joy laughter it was something like oh my god we both were freaking I, out. I know I we were fist laughing so hard. Oh. It was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. I am a more complete human being for having seen this. It looked like a joke. Uh, absolutely. It looked like someone did it as a joke and posted it as like a YouTube clip or something. I they had to have done it yeah. and been like, you know what? That's hilarious. Go with that. Just leave it in. We don't have any more money Just left. Do it. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So then the three people, not Paul Bunyan, run to this bridge. Paul Bunyan slowly chases them in the slowest slow chase that has ever been slow. Because this bridge is not that long. No. And his size while, changes. While he's chasing them, you can clearly see the floor that he's being cut from and placed it into the scene. Oh my God. Like the actor is walking on a floor somewhere else and they cut him out and left a little bit of the floor in and pasted it into the scene. Chef's kiss good. And you can see it as he's walking on the bridge. And I pointed it out and I wrote here, Ian says, 
delightful. <laughs> I do not agree. I, I clearly agree with myself. <laughs> so the three people get to the end of the bridge and there's a door and they're trying to get, it's a locked door. They're trying to get through it and the sheriff just starts firing this at it. This is a terrible tactical decision on their part. Right. And then we see behind them cars are coming. So the giant is taking a very long time to get to them. He's still not there. Suddenly the bar militia shows up. That's to which I wrote, about. because it wasn't January 6th, so they were free. <laughs> uh, that's who it was. Uh, it, yeah, I would say that too, unfortunately. They are armed to the teeth. And they were all the actors from the 1894 yes, I was, scene. I just that. They reused all the actors from 1894. It's the bartender and the people, I'm assuming from the militia poster in the beginning. He's shooting up in the air, the bartender, and says, pick on someone your own size. And then in the most ridiculous irony, pick on someone your own size, about... 15 people with semi-automatic weapons just start firing aggressively at the giant. In this game of Paul Bunyan duck hunt is what I described yeah. it as. He gets shot up for about two minutes. Like, for, a, for at least one whole minute of them just shooting him. Let me just put the logistics of this to everyone. Bridge, middle of the bridge, Paul Bunyan. End of the bridge, three people. Other end of the bridge, untrained militia shooting automatic weapons toward all toward four of them all of them yeah i would have felt more i would take my chance with paul bunyan <laughs> versus these people are saving me but they don't get hurt of course don't be ridiculous ian so then this also leads us to the only moment in the movie where i actually had some feels yeah so then bunyan is riddled with bullets at this point and he turns and he reaches out to cb and goes Maybell. He goes like, May, May, Maybell. In this sad <sighs> voice with a sad face. Oh, and he starts up. crying. And I wrote, I'm sad now. I know. I was like, I'm sad now. It was so sad because then at that moment, you're like, oh, yeah, he's he supposedly has the mind of a child. And his best friend's grave was desecrated by these people who've now called help to shoot him up dead. And he doesn't understand why. And yeah. Maybell didn't save him or something. And so then he falls over the side of the bridge into the water. And it looks, this water looks like a reservoir. So that's gross. Yeah, gross. gross. He sinks under with a really fake cartoon hand reaching out of the water toward the sky. I couldn't even enjoy it. I was sad. Yeah. And the militia is cheering. And they're going to take his axe for decoration for the bard, which I wrote, all right, that's a good idea, dipshits. Yeah. So apparently they heard the guy over the scanner when he was on the fire tower. Yeah. And that's why they came. They all start saying they had the kill shot and they're all fighting with each other. And then one of the guys says, oh, it's Bigfoot. No, it's a Sasquatch. And then one dude goes, no, it's Paul Bunyan. And what? I wrote, of course it is. Duh. No, that's what I would have guessed. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, 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 no. It's Paul Bunyan. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So. And then we get a voiceover to end the film. Right. And I wrote the quote because it's one of the yeah. dumbest fucking things I've ever well, heard. So the dad goes, it's over. Let's go home. And then the voiceover, because of course there's a voiceover. Try to use my voiceover movie voice. There's stories and legends, and somewhere in the middle lies the truth. 
And then we get a folk style Paul Bunyan ballad to end the movie, which didn't I it. didn't hate. Didn't hate it. No, we listened folk to it. Randy Newman was all right. Yeah, it was like a little Randy Newman-ish. It kind of told the story about evil Paul Bunyan, but I didn't hate it. It wasn't bad. I hated the idiotic militia thing at the end. Why do they have to make us sad? Well, this was not what I expected. No, when I saw so, Axe Giant. So listen, the whole underlying story of him basically being Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. That he's a good guy turned bad because they messed with him, like doesn't work because they didn't really do anything that bad. They took a horn, yeah, and then he just went on a rampage. Then the whole Maybell thing didn't need to be in here. It was so stupid. What was the point of that? It didn't make any sense. It didn't do anything for the story. It didn't it didn't help anything along. I thought that she was going to be like, no, no, don't shoot him, right. And that they would just let him go back into the woods or something. Like it's a I thought she was going to come to his rescue because Meeks had set up this whole thing like, oh, you get a second chance, you know, whatever. And that would have been a better ending for me anyway. I would have been okay with that right? ending because the issue I have with this movie, and it comes back to what I said earlier, is it took these two paths and it tried to merge them. So it ended with really what I think is an indecisive director who didn't really know how to end the film with the strips that he tried to do. So they just kind of ended it with, he's dead. He's a monster. He's dead. That's what they reverted to. I wouldn't even say that it was necessarily like the director. I'm sure the script was written this way. Yeah. And, you know. You- Sorry, when I say director in that context, and I should clarify, I mean the people who created this movie idea ended with, and he's a monster now, so he's dead because he killed people. It just felt like an injustice Yes, did he overreact slaughtering everyone for taking a bullhorn? <laughs> yeah, I might say he So if Comerhead sat down at the end and we're like, hey guys, all right, Paul, you maybe you went a little far there. Kids, you stole his horn. Don't be dicks. Can we all just agree to move to say I'm sorry and move forward? You Look, know. I think they either should have gone all in on the Paul Bunyan thing and just went crazy like exploring that whole thing instead of doing that weird divergent path Mm -hmm. or they should have just made him an axe giant without the paul bunyan axe giant in the hills he's just a murdery axe giant in the hills stuff you could have made it like instead of a horn anything of his why the paul bunyan thing why it didn't do anything for the story didn't make any sense it was stupid it would have been a lot more logical if it was more like the you know, Homer-esque Cyclops kind of monster where it just wants to kill you for being there. Yeah. And then, you know, overcoming the Cyclops kind of thing with the militia at the end would have made more sense. Like, okay, you overcame this massive obstacle. So listen, I wouldn't have hated the ending with the random militia people coming in to kill him if he was totally unlikable. But why build the storyline in to humanize him and to make him likable and to make it sad? If I'm writing this movie with that storyline in it, I cut the militia out completely. I use Maybell on the bridge to distract mm-hmm. him and knock him over somehow with the other people. Right. That's the ending that makes sense with the story pieces right. you put in there. Yeah. Especially if you're going with the sort of Frankenstein monster thing, which I, I mean, maybe they unintentionally did it that way. 
But if you're going that route, you use the lady to appeal to his kind side. And then you either have to, you know, take him out or you have to reason with him. And part ways, like, agree to well, go not amicably, really, but, you know, just be like, We're, we won't bother you again. Sorry about that, buddy. Here's your horn. You know? I I don't know. I so, it's real dumb. It's time for the question. Dude, do you even have to ask? I don't because I know. Do I like this? Of course I don't fucking like this movie. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was fun to watch as a team. It was fun to watch as a team because these are fun to watch as a team. Quinn, Sergeant Hoke, (laughs) was hilarious. Obviously, he was enjoyable. Um, His part was funny. And I'm glad it was that actor and not a different one because I think a different actor would not have done it as well because I don't know how long I could have hung into the movie if not for that comedic relief that was in there. The the acting was so bad. The CGI was the worst I've ever seen in my entire life. Set a new bar for CGI terribleness. The only things I've ever seen worse are things that are meant to be that way as a joke. So that doesn't count. It's horrific. It's so, so bad. The story is terrible. It's there's nothing about it that's good. I had fun watching it with you. Yeah. I had fun talking about it. I would never watch this movie no. again. And if anyone said to me, should I watch this? I would tell them absolutely not. I would no say way. you're good. Let me tell you. I would say listen to the podcast in well, a so car listen. drive. So pretty much thus far. All the movies except for like Death Machine and Frankenfish that you would watch again. I didn't hate the hazing. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't hate Bloody Bill. I wouldn't recommend it, but I didn't hate it. But I really didn't like decoys. That was really fucking stupid. I would watch All Through the House again if it was on and like I had nothing else to do. Most of the movies, almost all of the movies we've watched have been watchable. This movie to me. And Beast of Bray Road. Beast of Bray Road. The last two are pretty much unwatchable. Great for a podcast. Right. Tough, tough films. Right. Can't promise it gets much better as the whole theme of this podcast is bad movies. Right. Listen. <laughs> we it's do all this. about having fun. It's the experience of you and I having fun together watching it. And then it's the experience of coming together and having our little commentary banter. I love it. Yeah, I would agree with you completely. This one was not a good movie. I wouldn't recommend it. So it's so funny because the worse the movies get that you show me, the last two are totally unwatchable. But I had a really fun time. Yeah. We actually laughing forgot, at them. We forgot about Class talking. of 99 was part of it too. But that oh. falls into the category. I think that was way more watchable than these other two. Way more. Listen. You can watch that movie. Yeah. I I said some mean stuff about that movie at the end of the episode. Well, not really mean. I didn't I didn't like it. I wouldn't watch it again. But it's definitely watchable. It got to my head. I'll watch that over these. I'll, oh, I'll watch the movie. Yeah. And listen. I actually would watch the movie I, again. We know that. <laughs> the further out that I get from some of these, like Snow Beast, where I was like, oh, this movie sucks. Listen, compared to these, go watch Snowbees. It's a fun romp Snow in the snow. It's a fun time, yeah. It's a fun romp in the snow. I feel indicated about Snowbees. 
dancing in a chair. And apparently it's beloved. We've had people tell us, like, I love Snow Beast. I understand. He frolics. And how could you not love a frolicking beast? In class of 1999, like, after watching this movie, it made me feel less, like... (laughs) I think the challenge you have is every movie I give you either is better and you're like oh god that was trash that thing before or it's trash and you're like oh maybe i don't hate what we just saw (laughs) yeah that's that's the feeling because look none of them are great none of them are really i don't think i'm ever gonna pick something that i would we're gonna get into a couple classics down the line which are good movies right but for what we do and the way our conversations are best are when it's not great and that's the fun. And so I'm not intentionally picking. Now, I am picking some down the line that I may haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of expanding it a little bit. I'm watching trailers of some just because we found kind of the footing that we want to get into. And some of the movies that are in my binder of wonders, folks, I don't know if you'll believe this. They're not that wonderful. And I don't want to make my wife angry. <laughs> So we're Listen, not going to watch some of them. Well, some of them are the Jap- some of them are like the Japanese horror that you really don't like. We're no. kind of not getting into. Well, let's, not, let's not say that because I love the Japanese horror movies. They just actually scare the shit out of me, and I have nightmares. Yeah, so I'm trying not the to give you nightmares. In this world, that really scares me, that frightens me, that gives me nightmares, are the Japanese horror movies with the ladies with the long fucking hair and the little creepy kids and zombie children i don't well i do know what it is i was traumatized at a very young age by the original night of the living dead movie with the zombie child but understandable no those japanese horror movies i will watch them once to see them because they're so fucking good and they're so scary and then i can never watch them again because they're so scary yeah to me. there's one or two that i we may end up watching someday just because they're really good movies. like train to busan i really want to see oh i do want to see that too i mean host would be good to watch but those are really no no, no. Good. those aren't those aren't what i'm talking no, about we're, we're talking about like the grudge the ring the originals not the yeah, american remake um, yeah yeah those movies are scary terrifying uh, i watched a trailer for a newer one coming out and i was like i'm i even saw the trailer i was like nope nope that's terrifying Dude, i'll uh, never good. sleep again yeah I don't yeah. want to. Ter- so the whole point of the podcast is not to terrify you. I'm excited for some of the, the next week. Oh my God, babe. All right, I can't wait to see next week. I've um, already asked you not to talk to me about so, it. Okay. So hold on. Let's just wrap this up real quick. If you do end up watching it, please watch it with a friend. Us, please visit us at do I like this podcast.com or email us at do I like this podcast at gmail.com and tell us about your experience or on our Instagram. Listen. If you watch this unwatchable movie, at least watch it with a friend so you have someone to laugh with. This is a plus one. Yeah. Don't watch this alone. Make sure you um, visit us on Instagram. Do I like this podcast? Um, we have a Facebook page. At the Ian James on Instagram. Visit us on Facebook. Do I like this podcast? Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Rate us on Facebook. It is important to give us a rating. Rate it's us on Yelp. Rating. I don't care. Let us know what you think. If you go on our website, Ian has a couple of blog posts about the process and it has links to all of our previous episodes that we have referenced and they are enjoyable. I think that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening as always. Yeah, we appreciate you. We'll uh, see you back next week. Bye. Bye.